Welcome to the Wisdom Rising podcast. I'm your host, Lama Sultrama Alione, and my goal with this podcast is really to open your own wisdom, to have your own wisdom rising, either through the meditations that I lead or introduce you to, or to the people that I interview that bring wisdom with them in their own voice, in their own traditions. So we look forward to raising our wisdom together on the Wisdom Rising podcast. And I'm so happy to share this with you. One of the wonderful things that has developed in Buddhism in my lifetime is seeing a lot more women teachers in Buddhism. When I was starting out, there were basically none. I think in the whole Tibetan tradition, I had heard about two living women who taught, and that was all. And now there's much more, in, particularly in the West, but also in the East. However, generally, it's women studying with those women. It's not an equal number of men and women in those classes or those teachings when a woman is teaching. However, at least for women, there are now women who they can practice and study with, which wasn't the case for me. So that's an improvement. I think the challenge for women practitioners now is that they are not only the main ones responsible for the home and for the children still, even though they may work outside the home. And so it's not like them working outside the home is necessarily a significant liberation because they're expected to keep up everything at home as well as do a part-time or full-time job. I saw this a lot in COVID with my daughters who both are mothers and their kids were sent home and they were expected to do their full-time job online and somehow miraculously take care of their children full-time as well. And society and their companies they work for just assumed that somehow the women were going to figure it out. <laughs> and it was very challenging for them. Very challenging. So that's a problem, I see, is, is just time. And in terms of practices that support women, I think body-based practices touch in on feminine wisdom because the wisdom of the feminine has to do with embodiment being in this world and seeing the sacred as imminent or inborn. The sacred isn't something that's going to take place when we get out of our bodies or that we have this idea that somehow spirit or enlightenment are up and out somewhere, but rather that enlightenment is in the body and that the body and the world itself, the material world, is sacred. 
And this is also really important for the ecological situation because we are largely in the ecological crisis that we're in because of spiritual values that place the earth and women as a obstacle towards spirit or in terms of being completely imbued with spirit or completely enlightened, that you have to get away from nature and women to get into that state, that ideal state. And that value creates a split between spirit and matter, and it creates the attitude that matter and the world are here to be used and abused by men as they like because it's all here for them. That's why we call it resources. It's, it's here for us. Whereas in societies that have a strong presence of the feminine, and societies that have a strong presence of the feminine in them, the world itself is seen to be sacred, and there isn't a necessity to get away from it, to experience spirit or an awake state of mind. The other thing that is present are practices, particularly in Tantric Buddhism, of a female deity where the practitioner identifies with that female deity, a Dakini, which is a powerful dancing, awake, wild, sky-dancing female, an identification with her as a Buddha, as an enlightened being. And by identification, I mean you become her, you do her mantra, which is in her body, and you identify as her. Or Tara, who's a usually peaceful, seated, Buddha embodying responsive compassion. So there's lots of practices available to women practitioners like that. And I just want to say that this doesn't mean that these practices are just for women, but they are available for women. And that act of identifying with the body of an enlightened feminine presence is very powerful and transformative. The other thing about women and practice is that the feminine connects to interconnectedness. The Buddha's teachings on interdependence are very similar to many of the values present in societies, in cultures, that honor the feminine. There's a sense of our sisterhood or brotherhood with all life. And that sense of interconnectedness connects also to body-based practices where we come back to sensations in the body, awareness of the body, perhaps a walking meditation, being in the body, and nature, connection with nature. So the 
importance of that for women is that we have had very few models of enlightened feminine presence in whatever tradition we're in. And if it has been present, for example, the Madonna, the Virgin Mary, and the Christian tradition, she is chaste. She's asexual, practically. And if she has any sexuality, it's the sexuality of the mother. But she was even a virgin. She gave birth as a virgin. So it's a feminine presence, but it's very limited in terms of women's actual experience. So now, through the Dakinis and other kinds of embodiments of the sacred feminine in Buddhism, there's the possibility to have potent symbols of wisdom in a much less limited form than it has been previously. So I think we're in a moment of transition in terms of the feminine in Buddhism, both a greater percentage of women teachers, also the offering of practices of female deities for women. However, it is really important to understand that, for example, a tire practice is not like a woman's practice. Traditionally, it was done as much, if not more, by men. And that's one of the beauties of Vajrayana is the flexibility of gender roles in terms of practice. You literally visualize yourself as a male if you're female some of the time and as a female if you're male. And so there's a sense that gender, uh, like everything else, is impermanent and that the qualities of the genders should be experienced by each practitioner. And the transformative power of that is recognized. So I think that's a really amazing thing that Vajrayana offers is that gender fluidity. And it was not historically a heterocentric practice, practice of Vajrayana Buddhism. There was always mention of and the presence of flexible gender rules. And so that's also something that I find inspiring and and also interesting. So thank you, everyone. I hope that's an interesting answer for you for this question, and it's nice to connect with you. Thank you, everyone, for being with us for this Wisdom Rising podcast. May it benefit all beings. And I'd like to take a moment to thank the production team of Wisdom Rising and also to let you know that if you would like further information on my work or the associated people who work with Tara Mandala, you can reach out to the Tara Mandala website, T-A-R-A-M-A-N-D-A-L-A dot O-R-G. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe.